0: This is the Joe and Amber podcast.
1: It's been a long week of wrestling with whose friendship I want to end. Because I'm ending a friendship today. I'm either ending my friendship with Joe Fortnbaugh if I pick against his Philadelphia Eagles or I'm ending my friendship with our producer James Steele if I pick against his Kansas City Chiefs. I have wrestled with it all week. I am ready to do it. But not now. Not now. Not now. You, it's not going to be that easy. Okay. You, I'm surprised you haven't
2: commented on the fact that James and I have been extraordinarily civil towards one another throughout this entire two-week process. James, not once have I taken a shot at you, Chiefs-related. I've taken plenty of shots at you over the last two weeks. None of them about this game or the team you root for. You have been very cordial to me as well. This is how it can be done, America. Just remember that the next time the election rolls around, it can be done Cut. like this. Cordial human beings coming together to enjoy the great game of football.
3: I just want you to know I'm going to be insufferable on Monday if things work out the way that I'd like them to work out, though.
2: Oh, is that is that so? huh? Yeah,
3: pretty, pretty sure that I will be.
2: Well, then I hope it works out well for you, because if it doesn't, I wasn't planning on being yeah. insufferable. Now I will be. OK, I wouldn't expect <laughs> nothing less. from Honestly. you.
1: Honestly
3: a philadelphia fan though so
1: from from an eagles fan honestly uh both of you guys have been a little boring and and frankly i almost feel like wow i almost feel like that's kind of the story with this super bowl like it's just we got the two best teams into the super bowl right like no one's really arguing that either of these teams don't deserve to be there everybody kind of just thinks that like both of these teams are super awesome and it's splitting hairs whoever you pick And I think because of that, the Super Bowl honestly doesn't have as much juice as I would have expected it to. My entire airplane coming here today from Atlanta, by the way, was all Philadelphia Eagles fans. I didn't see a single Kansas City Chiefs fan. Like the entire plane was Philadelphia Eagles fans. So I think that that's odd. I'm curious to see who's out and about tonight and over the next 48 hours here in Phoenix, because I do wonder if it's going to be an Eagles heavy crowd.
2: Cheese fans most likely having open-heart surgery to clear out the arteries from all that barbecue that they eat all the time. Unlike Philadelphia fans, pillars of health when it comes to National Football League <laughs> fan bases. So not surprised at all that the Philadelphia fans are traveling and the Kansas City fans probably bedridden, probably in bad poor shape, condition physically from the, the diets. But you know, fi- that's just me throwing that out those there.
3: Those Philly fans and their Philly cheesesteaks are so healthy, right?
2: Yeah, it's a healthy
1: well, meal. It's not as of, bad as it
3: seems. Has vegetables <laughs> on it, yeah.
1: Speaking of bad taste in food. It's, it's the impossible speaking of of bad taste, <laughs> Speaking of bad taste in food, Dan Orlovsky. Uh, oh. Dan Orlovsky, he was on GetUp, and he was asked, could the Eagles be on the cusp of being the next NFL dynasty?
2: I think if the Eagles don't become a dynasty, it's a disappointment. The, the way the what? roster is – built. so in 2020, this was a bad roster. Howie Roseman rebuilt this roster in two years. And to RC's point, that they have got a, a, a great young nucleus. They've got two first-round picks this year. Jalen Hurts' own—we we have never seen a Jalen Hurts stand still. He's never plateaued yeah, in the real. six or seven years we've watched him play football. He's only gotten better.
1: I heard this take live as GetUp was happening because I was watching it live, and I was so taken aback because— I don't understand exactly what Dan is saying. First of all, I don't even know. Like, are the Chiefs even a dynasty? I mean, dynasties are so hard to reach, but to expect something to turn into a dynasty that hasn't even happened in terms of the initial step yet seems like we're far reaching. But also, Joe, they have to pay Jalen Hurts. Like, they have to pay Jalen Hurts, and that affects this roster moving forward here over the next few years.
2: few things to dissect here. Number one, uh, who, first of all, Orlovsky takes the heat, but who asked the question? Who, who came up with the topic of whether or not this team's going to be a dynasty? First of all, I would like to get through the game and see if they win before we have that conversation. And then when we begin that conversation, I would like to comment on how stupid that conversation is. A dynasty is three. <laughs> You need three, and you need to do it in probably five years, I think is the criteria there. The Eagles don't even have one, so there's no reason to bring it up. But if Dan was asked about it, he had to comment. And talking about how if they're not a dynasty, it's a disappointment, incorrect. You play to win one. You win one, and it's a success. Everyone in every fan base everywhere save Boston would tell you if they could just have one, that's it for them. You don't need five, you don't need eight. You want five or eight, you need one. Amber, you're a Dolphins fan. What would you give for one Super Bowl?
1: What would I give for a playoff win? I haven't had one of those in over 20 years. Loser fan base, and that's a perfect
2: comment from a loser fan base. You know it. You know exactly. Whatever, I'll own it. If you knew you could get away with murder, you would kill somebody to be able to have one playoff win. And I respect that. Not the killing part. That's I mean, on Stephen you. That Ross would be practically odd.
1: Tr- well, Stephen Ross practically tried with all the tampering, right? He's over here tampering with Tom Brady. He's don't over tamper. here tampering with Sean Payton. Like, talk about a desperate fan base and a desperate owner, and that's why.
2: Yeah, I mean, so it's it's a fun conversation, obviously. I don't think we need to go down that road at all. Philadelphia is in a position where if they can win one, they've done an excellent job of building this team and putting it in a position to grab a victory. If the Chiefs go out and get one, now we're starting to talk about a dynasty. But the reality is, what's the criteria? Let's start with that, right? Three in five years. And I've long maintained that even though the San Francisco Giants won three World Series in five years, that's still not a dynasty. Because in the two years where they didn't win World Series, they didn't even make the playoffs. And in the three years they did win the World Series, they were never even the best team in baseball in any of those years. They were good teams that got hot at the right time. And they deserved the World Series, but they were not a dynasty. A dynasty has to be a juggernaut, an absolute juggernaut freight train. The Patriots are the only one we've seen since the Cowboys of the 90s.
1: By your metric, if it's three and five years, the Chiefs would have to win one this year and win one next year, right? Because otherwise, that's the jumping
2: off point. Three and five years is the jumping off point. You have to have three. The question is how many years? You're not a dynasty for two. Going back to back is not a dynasty. Two and three is not a dynasty. You need three titles. The question is how many years does it take in order for that criteria to be satisfied? Three and five sounds good. Three and six, eh. I can get there, but what happens in the down years? You still have to be a playoff team. You still have to be competitive.
1: Yeah, I mean, if the Chiefs are in every AFC championship, they win the one in 2020, they win one in 2023, and then you know, 2024 or 2025, I'm willing to have that conversation. Short of that, right now, I'm not willing to have that conversation or even that expectation for even Kansas City. So it's completely absurd to have that expectation for the Philadelphia Eagles. Coming up next, we're going to talk to a guy who had a front row seat to Geno Smith's Comeback Player of the Year season. That's next. Joe and Amber's on ESPN Radio.
4: Joe and Amber, the podcast.
1: Joe and Amber, Super Bowl week. You can get in touch with us on social at Joe Fortenbaugh. You can find me as well at Amber W Sports. We love to earn you money on this show. It's our favorite thing to do. Let's take another crack at it, Super Bowl style.
0: Pizza money alert.
1: Pizza, pizza.
2: Super Bowl prop number four, Jalen Hurts, Philadelphia Eagles quarterback, scoring a touchdown any time in the game. Doesn't need to be the first TD, the last TD, doesn't need to be the first Eagles TD, just needs to score at any time in the game, minus 105. So it's almost an even money proposition. Hertz has found the end zone 15 times in 17 games this season. He's also scored a touchdown in seven of his last nine games. In addition, Kansas City's defense has struggled to defend opposing running quarterbacks this year, giving up the fourth most rushing yards, or excuse me, the fifth most rushing yards and the sixth most rushing touchdowns to opposing quarterbacks this year. When in doubt, Jalen tuck and run, especially against a chiefs defense that ranks bottom three in red zone conversions pizza money. Number four Jalen hurts. Anytime touchdown minus one Oh five.
1: Joe and Amber is presented by Progressive Insurance. Progressive makes bundling easy and affordable. Get a multi-policy discount by combining your motorcycle, RV, boat, ATV, and more. All your protection in one place. Bundle and save at Progressive.com. We have another treat for you at a Super Bowl week. And right now, Seahawks running back. Kenneth Walker III joining us here on Joe and Amber. Kenneth, you had a heck of a rookie season. What was the biggest difference for you going from college to the pros?
6: Yeah, i see. um, I believe it's the speed and like every defender is, you know, they're smart and they know what they're doing. So it's a lot of detail that goes into it. So I believe that's the biggest difference from college to the pros. You know, there wasn't a whole
2: lot of buzz around the Seahawks entering the season, but you guys ended up making the playoffs. How surprised were you with the team's success throughout the course of the season?
6: Yes. um, Yeah, we believed in ourselves from camp, you know, uh, you know, we was working hard and grinding and uh, we knew we had a team that could be good and that can make it to the playoffs. So we just worked and uh, kept preparing. And then (laughs) that's where we ended up in the playoffs.
1: Was it easier or harder when the noise got loud? Because, you know, some people like to fly under the radar. Some people want everybody talking about them. Did it put more pressure Mm -hmm. on you when all of us in the media started talking about the Seahawks so much?
6: Uh, No, man, I don't I don't think it put any pressure on us. You know, uh, I don't, We don't really pay attention much to, um, I believe we can't pay attention much to media because, you know, sometimes you can hear so much good stuff that you start to get complacent, and uh, that's not what we want to do.
2: As the team's top running back, you had an up-close-and-personal look at Geno Smith's resurgence this year, which culminated with the Comeback Player of the Year award last night. What kind of leadership role did he play for you in your rookie season?
6: Yeah, he's he's a great leader, you know. Um, you know, even in practice, off the field, he's a great leader. You know, uh, when we're in meetings, he's writing down notes uh, for a guy that been in the league that long, and he's still writing notes and trying to learn and soak up the game. It's it's, it's great to see. And uh, and on the field, you know, he's he's consistent, and uh, that's what I love about Gino.
1: Kenneth Walker the third, Seattle Seahawks running back, joining us here on Joe and Amber. What's it like playing for Pete Carroll?
6: <laughs> it's great. Pete Carroll's a uh, he's great. Um, He's a player's coach, and I love that. And he also always has a lot of energy around the facility and around the guys, and uh, he's great to be around, and I'm glad glad to be able to call him my coach.
1: What amazes me about that, that he's still a, such a player's coach, is Pete Carroll now is, what, like 70 years old, I think? And you're so young. You <laughs> were born in, what, 2000? And yet you yeah. call still you still feel like Pete Carroll's a player's coach, How huh? You still relate to coach?
6: Yeah, definitely. And uh, I feel like it's cool that he relates to us. You know, like you say he's older, but, like, way he relates to us and makes the game fun for us is uh it's cool to see
2: any personal goals you have heading into your sophomore season in the nfl
6: you know um just staying consistent um do a lot of things that i did do a lot of things better than i did last year um with anything off the field or on the field you know taking care of my body and uh you know just staying focused during the throughout the season
1: what's one thing that you think could put the seahawks over the top and be a true super bowl contender next season
6: yeah, I believe finishing our games, you know, a lot of times we'll be doing um, doing great and we just didn't finish. So I believe just us finishing our games and, you know, playing together as a whole will make that difference.
1: Seahawks running back Kenneth Walker, the third joining us here. Prediction for the Super Bowl. Obviously a big one on Sunday. You know, this question's coming. Who do you got?
6: Mm, I'm going to just say I got the Chiefs. <laughs>
1: why, why do you have the Chiefs?
6: Um, I guess because we played them, I didn't, you know, I didn't play against the Eagles and all that. But I'm gonna just say, uh, I'm i I'm gonna go for the Chiefs in this one.
1: That's fair. That's fair. You know your competition. Uh, that's a reasonable yeah. answer, certainly. Kenneth Walker the third. A safe answer there. Tell us why you're joining us today, Kenneth.
6: I'm at the Panini Prism VIP event uh, in Phoenix, Arizona. Um, we're just chilling with uh, other athletes here, and uh, it's nice. It's pretty fun. You know, I get to talk to everybody that's in the league and a lot of guys that's in the league and um, get to meet them and actually talk to them in person instead of just seeing them in a uniform.
1: Very cool. Well, Kenneth Walker, the third Seattle Seahawks running back offensive rookie of the year finalist. Thanks Kenneth so much for your time.
6: Thank you so much for having me.
1: Joe Kenneth Walker, the is 22 years old. Pete Carroll is 71 years old and nothing impresses me in coaching more. I mean, winning championships, all that, that's great. He's done it at every level. First of all, that's, that's saying something, but also the thing that impresses me most with coaching and most about guys like Pete Carroll or even the Nick Sabans of the world that have so much longevity in their sport, their ability to relate to players quite literally through generations. I mean, they he's, st- he's a player's coach. Like you just heard a 21-year-old say that here, 22-year-old say that he's a player's coach where like these dudes are still somehow relating to 71-year-old Pete Carroll.
2: It's amazing too that when it comes to Carroll, he did it at both levels. Like to go have crazy success in college football, then go pro and have the prolonged success he has had with the Seahawks. He didn't have four good years in Seattle. He's been there for, what, 12, 13 years at this point? Like, he came in, got them back on track, and even though the Legion of Boom era is gone, they went to the playoffs this year. Like, the amount of years Seattle has been in the playoffs under Pete Carroll, so many people had them pegged as the team that would have the worst record in the NFL this season. There were a lot of people that bet them, the Falcons and the bears. And it ended up with the bears, but Seattle went to the playoffs. Like that's a huge miss. Carroll's absolutely a locker room guy who can relate to players. And that's a huge part of why he's had success for so many decades across so many levels of the
1: sport. It might be his most impressive coaching job ever this past season, right? I mean, it's that impressive. Like we're talking about a dude who's won national championships and super bowls. And it feels like him getting Geno Smith, To somehow be good after a a decade of a journeyman, uh, a a career in this league, and doing it in a season that nobody expected them to amount to anything, and making a postseason, I feel like it's. And also doing it at seventy, like I, I feel like it might be his most impressive feat yet.
2: That's only the tip of the iceberg, though. Like you laid out part of what makes it so impressive this year. Taking Geno Smith, who in the eyes of many had been kind of a laughing stock, we laughed at his career. We laughed at the fact that on draft night he didn't go in the first round, so he left, and then everyone had to convince him to come back. It wasn't going to be a good look. You had to be there on day two for the second round. We made our jokes about him getting knocked out by the guy uh, for the Jets whose camp he was supposed to go to, but he didn't. Like there were so many reasons to mock the guy. And now he's comeback player of the year. He led the NFL in completion percentage. He took the Seahawks to the playoffs, but that's not it. Pete Carroll also knew it was time to get rid of Russell Wilson. And the return he got on that investment was insane. They have the number five pick overall this year because they took Russell Wilson and they got rid of him. They didn't pay him. They didn't make that huge mistake. And they watched him play terribly for the Broncos who ended up gift wrapping them the number five overall pick. So that trade that analysis and, and player breakdown of what they thought of Wilson, getting rid of him, the assets they got in return, then using Geno Smith, getting them to the playoffs. Everything around the Seattle Seahawks, what they did this season, not enough credits being given due to that organization.
1: Yeah, I don't know if that's more Carroll or if that's more John Schneider, but either way, certainly that organization deserves a lot of credit. You mentioned there now they have that fifth overall pick from Denver. What are they going to do with it? Are they looking at the quarterback position or do you know their future?
2: I would be looking at the quarterback position. I don't know if it's going to be at five, but Geno could be your future. He could come back on, what, the franchise tag. You could figure out how to sign him to a three-year deal. But regardless, you still have to think long-term. I don't think Geno Smith is the quarterback in Seattle for the next seven years. So he's probably the type of guy that you'd want to have back another year. A rookie can sit behind him and learn, and then you can groom that guy to eventually step up into the role. Because I don't know. Geno Smith, there still has to be some concern that this year may have been a flash in the pan right? Like, how convinced are you that what we see next year is going to be the same thing we saw this year?
1: I'm not very convinced. Now, it looked very good in Pete Carroll's system, so could he be a system quarterback and he finally found the right system? Sure. I guess anything's possible. His resume is a lot longer, though, in terms of mediocrity than it is in terms of greatness, and you have to weigh that in and factor that in. And then also as impressive at the end of the season as it was through the first half of that season so there was some tapering off there at the end for geno smith he wins comeback player of the year you and i don't like that i don't know what he was coming back from he was just coming back from not being that good and he was never back to begin with so he shouldn't have won that award either they're probably drafting a quarterback and looking forward
0: joe and amber the podcast Visit one 800 First bet offer for new customers only, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets, but expire in seven days in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel.
1: We're going to get our Super Bowl halftime show from Rihanna on Super Bowl Sunday. Looking forward to that. This is Joe and Amber rolling along here on ESPN Radio. You, you can sure? find him on social media at Joe Fortenbaugh. You, you can sure find me as Hannah? well at Amber W Sports. <laughs> Is this not Are Rihanna? You sure? James oh, I just field? wanted to
3: know if you were sure.
1: You yeah, well, were now I'm yesterday. questioning myself, but I'm pretty darn sure this is Rihanna.
3: Good.
2: Don't
1: let him push you around like wow. that. Don't let him that push was, you around like that. N- not instilling any sort of confidence in me whatsoever all because I confused an intro instrumental of umbrella with an intro intro instrumental of diamonds and ever since that's then irrelevant. I can't live it down
3: I wasn't the one who was saying how big of a fan of her I was and then just completely got the song wrong either so. that's true
1: she hadn't made music in a long time. I needed to brush up on my re-re. She's been busy having a baby and everything else, but she's back and she's back in a big way. I'm sure she's going to put together one heck of a spectacular Super Bowl halftime show. We also are putting together one heck of a show, largely in part, thanks to Joe Fortenbaugh's betting advice. Let's bring you another Pizza Money.
0: Pizza Money alert.
1: Pizza, pizza. All right, only two
2: more to go before the end of the show. This is the big one. If you're looking for a potential jackpot, here we go. And it's courtesy of good friend Doug Kazarian from the Daily Wager, Monday through Friday, ESPN2, 6 p.m. Eastern. I tend to make appearances on that fine program as well. Kenneth Gainwell, Philadelphia Eagles running back, to be the first player in the game to reach 40 rushing yards, 22 to 1. Ladies and gentlemen, 22 to 1. So there you go. He needs to be the first back in the game to get to that number. A lot of guys could do it. Receiver could break a play. Quarterback could break a play. But ultimately, pizza money number five, Kenneth Gainwell, Philadelphia Eagles running back, to be the first player to reach 40 rushing yards in this game, 22 to 1.
1: You're getting a lot of pizza money tonight. You are welcome, America. Joe and Amber is presented by Progressive Insurance. Tune in to NBA Action Sunday as the Seas host the Grizz, presented by Indeed. Coverage begins at 1.30 p.m. Eastern on select ESPN radio stations. But it is Super Bowl week, so let's get back to the NFL. Lions defensive end, Aiden Hutchinson, joining us now on Joe and Amber. And Aiden, thanks so much for your time. What was it like to get drafted and play for your hometown team in the Detroit Lions?
4: Yeah, it was everything I would have hoped for. It was everything I, I really dreamed of. You know, I, I'm a homebody. I love staying home and, and to be close to the family. It's, uh, it's, it's special and I'm grateful.
2: How many people have asked you to sing Billy Jean after that hard knocks episode?
4: You know, I'm not going to lie too many, too many. I mean, I was at the bowling alley. Yes. I bowl, um, in my free time, <laughs> I was at the bowling alley and, uh, some, uh, uh, the, the people, everyone started playing Billie Jean. Everyone started pointing at me, so it's a, uh, it's, it's going to stick with me forever now. Well, wait, whoa, 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 whoa,
2: whoa! They they played it. They started pointing at you. You didn't tell us what happened.
4: Oh, I started singing and dancing a little bit. Of course, <laughs> you know I got to feed into it.
1: Yes. There you go. You always have to feed into it. Keep it up. Aiden Hutchinson, Lions defensive end, joining us here on Joe and Amber. So, Aiden, that Lions defense this season it had some struggles at times. What was the biggest issue, do you think, on that side of the ball?
4: Yeah, you know, it's just we got to be more consistent. That's, that's the bottom line. We got to be more consistent um, throughout the whole season. It was too many ups and downs. You know, Our, when we were playing well, we were really good. When we were, when we were playing bad, we were really bad. So, we got we to be more consistent.
2: Take me through that week 18 matchup against Green Bay. A lot of people felt you guys were on the wrong end of the schedule with Seattle playing earlier in the day and creating an opportunity where you guys could have been eliminated by game time. Well, Seattle handles their business. You guys were eliminated from playoff contention, so a lot of people thought – we wouldn't get a great effort from you, and it was the exact opposite. You guys went in the Lambo and stuck it to the Packers. What was the mindset like, despite watching what happened in Seattle? What was Campbell telling you in the locker room before the game?
4: Yeah, you know, I think um, the mindset for me personally was just, you know, screw it, man. It's my last game as a rookie. I know it's my last game. It's, it's. I might as well, might as well just sell out and, and give it all I got. So that was my mentality. De- Campbell was just his, his whole point was. If we can't go, they can't go, and that's, and that's it.
1: You mentioned your coach, Dan Campbell, there. What is it like playing for Dan Campbell? He seems like such a character to all of us on the outside looking in.
4: Yeah, I mean, really with Dan, it's like what you see is what you get. You know, everything that he does in the media, on hard knocks, everything that he did this year, that's that's genuine, that's authentic, that's him.
2: You know, it was a long time ago, but you guys, and this was the first game you ever played as a professional, had a good look at the Philadelphia Eagles up close and personal, What's going to be the challenge for Kansas City's defense when trying to match up with these guys?
4: I just think it's that offensive line. I mean, it's really, all around the board, man, they, they're so talented. And I think, I think it's it's their game to lose. You know, it's, they're, they're up front, both offensive and defensive line. They're, they're talented.
1: Do you have a prediction then for Sunday? You said it's Eagles' games, a game to lose. Is that where you would uh, put your confidence?
4: Yeah, I'm going thirty-one twenty-eight, Philly. Thirty
2: one twenty eight Philly. We like that a lot. Aiden Hutchinson, Lions pass rusher joining Joe and Amber here on ESPN radio. So what's Super Bowl week been like for you? I mean, this is your first year in the NFL. It's a wrap. You've been watching the playoffs. Obviously you have a taste for what you want to see next season and get into the postseason, but how has the last month or so been after that final game of the year?
4: Yeah, I mean, of course I'd love to play a Super Bowl, but you know, for now I'm at the I'm at the community prison VIP event in Phoenix having a great time, just chilling out in Phoenix and, uh, and loving the vibes over here. There's a lot more sun in Phoenix than there is in Michigan.
1: <laughs> uh, certainly a lot more sun. It is beautiful here. I'm in Phoenix as well right now. Aiden Hutchinson, Lions defensive end. Aiden, why don't you tell us why you're joining us today?
4: Yeah, you know, I'm, I'm just, I'm with P and uh, I'm just at their uh, Prism VIP event and having a great time. And, uh, you know, that's, that's, that's why I'm here today.
1: Well, good stuff, Aiden. Thanks so much for giving us some of your time.
4: All right. Appreciate you guys.
1: The Lions are one of those teams, Joe, that I think a lot of people grew some confidence in, particularly with what we saw from Goff this season. A lot of people have always been high on Dan Campbell because everybody fell in love with him with hard knocks. Frankly, I think has a lot to do with it. But the Lions are one of those teams that I think people might start having some expectations for that team moving forward Along with the Lions, assuming that you think that they're going to take some sort of leap next season, what are the other teams that you could be looking at to take that same kind of leap?
2: You know, it's that famous Leonardo DiCaprio line from Django. It's, you had my interest, now you have my attention. That's what Hard Knocks did. It got our interest in the Lions, then they grabbed our attention because they made a run at the playoffs. For them to take the next step next year, it's very simple you've got to start fast. Two years in a row under Dan Campbell, they have come out of the gates extraordinarily slow. Too many mistakes, too sloppy, too many losses in winnable games. But then they closed strong. Last year, meaning two seasons ago, they closed relatively strong. It gave you hope for year two. This year they closed with a fury. And they put themselves right in position to get to the playoffs, but it was just one game too short they lost a tiebreaker to the seattle seahawks so next year you got to start fast if there's going to be a team that's next year's version of the lions it'd be interesting as you look around first place for me to look would be the nfc south i mean saints falcons panthers any of those teams going to find a way to take a big step forward the raiders catch my attention in the afc west because i'm here in las vegas and i think if they solve the quarterback situation maybe suddenly they'll be ready to break through the jaguars already kind of did it So I'm working my way through. There are some interesting candidates who jumps out to you.
1: I mean, the Jets, I think, are an obvious choice. But again, what's happening with the quarterback position, right? But certainly when you have the offensive and defensive rookie of the year on that team, we know how good and how young that team is around that quarterback position and on the other side of the ball. So I think that they're a team that if they get something out of the quarterback position, they could take some sort of step forward. The Jags, listen, I expect them to take a leap, but at this point, I don't even know if it's a leap. I feel like they took that leap this season. Now I expect them to just win the division and be on schedule next season and be a true competitor the Broncos I mean that's one of the obvious choices here right there's really only one way to go if you're the Denver Broncos and that way is up with the uh, entrance of Sean Payton hopefully he can get something out of Russell Wilson
2: here's a team nobody's going to mention because we're so jaded in the fact that they've been so bad for so long we wouldn't even consider it but new head coach that people are excited about high draft pick that could get them the rookie quarterback money to spend in free agency Any thoughts on the Houston Texans making some noise this year?
1: Yeah, I, I you mentioned the Texans and I and I started thinking about it as you said it because my initial reaction was what? Heck no! I mean, I understand what you're doing there, and you're right—a good fit, or we, at least seemingly so—in terms of coaching. Uh, they've got the picks; they've got they are in a position to build around. I just think it's going to be too soon. Like I'm not expecting them to take that leap this season. And don't forget that coach is what on now a seven-year contract. Uh, I think is what he asked for—seven years guaranteed. The, the he wants the patience there from Houston. It's going to be a process. I don't expect expect them to take some big leap in year one
2: what about the Chicago Bears plenty of money to spend Justin Fields already at quarterback high draft pick as well number one overall second year of this coaching staff second year of this front office could they be ready to make a move
1: Yeah, I mean, they ripped it all the way down to the studs. You knew it was going to have growing pains. Defensively, they're atrocious. That's really where they need to improve. I would imagine that that's what they're going to do in this upcoming draft. I do think that the Bears could be in a position to take a step forward, a leap forward, fine. But when the starting point is zero, then a leap doesn't get you particularly far. I don't think the Bears are going to be some sort of contender next season. But I also am surprised that we were having conversations about whether they're going to move on from Justin Fields. I know he's not Iberflus' guy. I know he wasn't this front office's guy. They didn't bring him in, but man, I thought that he was so dynamic and exciting early in the season for them. So I do think that the Bears could be one of those teams. Do you?
2: they got to figure out the offensive and defensive lines. They've had big problems with those two positions, and they've got to get to a point with Justin Fields where he stops taking so many hits. His ability to run the ball is what makes him so incredibly fun to watch, but he takes so many big shots, you can see him washing out of the league a lot faster than he needs to. He's got to find a way to avoid contact. But I like the trajectory of the organization. They just have a really bad roster that needs to be upgraded. But based on the cash they have and the picks they have, they have an opportunity to do that in the next few years. I find it funny that despite this team having a new head coach coming in and uh, uh, you know a highly paid quarterback, no mention of the Arizona Cardinals. No mention.
1: No mention because it's impossible right now to decipher what direction they're going to go. Uh, but yeah, I don't have much confidence in Arizona. And I'm not one who hates on Kyler Murray, to be honest with you. Yeah, he's got, sure, some maturing to do. Uh, he's, I think he's got quite a bit of talent. It's not that. It's just, man, that organization. Uh, just what what a step back they took this season. Coming up next your calls it is your time to chime into the show when we always play caller roulette here on joe and amber give us a call your hottest takes your super bowl takes triple eight say espn eight 729 plus i have avoided it all week long i can no longer avoid it i have yes. to end the friendship with either my producer or my co-host i have to pick one of their teams to win the super bowl our super bowl picks coming your way
0: joe and amber the podcast Again, try Jet's signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Jet's Pizza. Better because it has to be.
5: Joe
1: and Amber at Joe Fortenbaugh. That's how you find him at Amber W Sports. That's how you find me. We have given you all sorts of action tonight. Well, Joe's given you all sorts of action tonight. I have just sat here and nodded along. Let's go ahead and do some more Super Bowl style. Let's do Pizza Money.
0: Pizza Money alert.
1: Pizza,
2: pizza. Final word of the night, Jarek McKinnon running back, Kansas City Chiefs under 20 and a half rushing yards, minus 110. We talked about this one earlier in the show when we said under five and a half attempts. McKinnon is only averaging about 3.7 attempts per game on the year. In 19 games played, he went over five and a half attempts just seven times. He's not going to get the ball a lot. Not in the rushing game, that is. And with Clyde Edwards-Elair active for this game, He could be cutting into the touches as well as Isaiah Pacheco. So Pizza Money number eight, and then we're going to run through all of them. It's Jarek McKinnon under 20 and a half rushing yards. Jarek McKinnon under five and a half rushing attempts. Jake Elliott under seven and a half total points. Kenneth Gainwell over 10 and a half receiving yards. Jalen Hurts anytime touchdown. Yes, minus 105. Kenneth Gainwell, the first player in the game to rush for 40 or more yards. 22 to one. Those are your eight pizza money props for Super Bowl 57.
6: 13 black odd. Uh, no
0: winner. Spin the wheel. Make a deal. It's a game of chance. Let's play. Call a roulette with Joe and Amber.
1: So this is the time of the show where we ask you to chime in, join the conversation. Give us a call. Triple eight, say ESPN, eight, 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 seven, two, nine, three, seven, seven, six. That's how you get in touch with us. Go ahead and call us so that I can continue to stall on making my Super Bowl pick. Let's spin the wheel. Rick, Rick is in Canada. Rick, thanks for the call tonight. What do you have for us?
4: So I was, uh, Listening to uh, the per, uh, position that they put you in, and I think it's kind of unfair that making you choose so I thought maybe a way that you can get you know back at them a little bit is since you're going to have to give up a friendship, maybe the loser of the Super Bowl team maybe you pick a poison penance for them come Monday
1: mm. That's interesting. So, so to be like, clear, rather you know, than her just pick who wins,
2: we get punished somehow in that regard. That's I don't really like the I way that flips it. around.
4: <laughs> well, she can still pick, but you know, the loser of the Super Bowl, she gets to dole out a punishment for for that person.
3: I don't like I this feel like at
1: Rick's all. You're doing work. I don't
3: that
4: like this. That seems
2: like all. extraordinary yeah. risk for no reward. So my team loses and I get
3: punished. Yeah. What if the she, loss is punishment enough? Yeah. What if she? What if she picks the Chiefs and then the Chiefs also? I don't know. It's that's terrible. She picks the Chiefs and the Chiefs win. Huh? Then Joe gets punished twice.
1: You were going to say if the Chiefs if I pick the Chiefs and the Chiefs lose I'm very
3: confused and I don't yes. like I don't like any of this. And
1: you yeah, know, like it's not going to fly. We appreciate
2: the it. phone call but it's not happening. It's the loss vetoed. itself is punishment enough. Losing the Super Bowl is an extraordinary punishment. Nothing on top of that needs to be added.
1: You know what's interesting about this predicament is we have to make a pick as a show because we're still doing our radio lineup picks as well. So yeah. as a show collectively When I have a Chiefs fan on the show and I have an Eagles fan on the show, we have to collectively come up with a pick for the show. So does that automatically make me the swing vote? Are you guys each going to pick your own team? Or would one of you go out on a limb and pick against your team? Let's do
2: this. Why don't you, since it's the big reveal, let us know what your pick is going to be. And then after we do that, we can figure out what the show pick is going to be, which I believe is completely irrelevant from what I understand. We are not in the race for this thing anymore, James. So what does it even matter?
3: Yeah, I mean, we're we're a couple games behind, so I don't think right. it's really going to matter. So, yeah, Who's
1: Renegade winning? Radio, Who's who leading? cares about that? Um, Did, is this already been taken?
3: Give me, give me one second. I, I believe it's Fitz and Harry, uh, but I'll oh, double wow. check. Oh wow, they that. all of a sudden I, slid I into. I think oh, Fitz gosh. and Harry and Freddie and Fitzsimmons are both tied for the lead. We're technically in second, but we're like a, lo- we're, there's a long line of of shows that are ahead of us.
1: I mean, shows on ESPN radio how could there be right. a long it's, it's line w- we're,
3: we're, we're tied for a second but we're also <laughs> one away from being in last place basically is that's it is. amazing yeah, it's good
5: all right
1: well, there. well well there why you don't you get it. the
2: drum roll ready so we can get Amber's pick we've been hyping this for two weeks I'd love to know what's going to happen here as we uh wind down towards the end of the show
1: where's do my drum, drum roll? roll
2: there we go all right
1: Amber moment of truth moment of truth I don't want to do this I don't want to end a relationship, especially when we just got a show together, Joe. But I think I've got to do it because I'm going with James's Kansas City Chiefs to win this Super Bowl. I think I'll go 32 24 Kansas City. I'm not betting against Patrick Mahomes.
2: Given, and I appreciate the honesty and I appreciate the class and grace that you went about making that pick. Given the car accident you recently caused, (laughs) the two month (laughs) sickness. That you have undergone the jar of peanut butter you dropped on your foot. May I say on behalf of all Philadelphia Eagles fans, I have never felt better about our chances of winning (laughs) this game than when Miss Black Cat crossing your path, Amber Wilson... Picking the Chiefs to win this game, just put the official mush on them. James, you got to feel terrible. Yeah. Right I
3: mean, I think we agree on this is that I've never felt worse about a pick in my yeah. life. This is yeah. quite the
1: turn of events. For two weeks, yeah. we have been talking about who am I going to pick against? And that person's going to be so upset that I don't pick their team. And actually, I've come to find out it's quite the opposite. It's James the opposite. is upset. I've, I've picked his team. Joe's thrilled that I didn't pick the team. Yeah, Couldn't be happier.
3: Didn't anticipate that, but I feel really, really terrible about the pick. Yeah.
1: Well I
2: see everyone you... on Monday for the parade as we get set for Broad Street. Joe <laughs> fornball live. Uh these two losers, you can catch them later. Ooh. Do, Ooh.
1: do either of you have the goal to pick <laughs> against your own team? Are you each rocking with your teams? I'm completely honest, if you guys
2: want to go with the Chiefs, I would bet the Chiefs. I I um full full disclosure, full disclosure. I'd be betting the Chiefs in this game.
1: Look I mean, at that. I mean, that I'm is rooting a,
3: for the Chiefs. I, I, I don't bro. like picking. Uh, it seems like my bias gets in the way.
1: Well, and actually, when you when you pick, it's also a good idea sometimes to pick against your team because if you're betting, because then you can't lose. It's a win-win. Mm-hmm. Anyway, you cut it. Also a win-win. Freddie and Fitzsimmons, they're coming your way next. The Chiefs.
0: This has been the Joe and Amber Podcast. You can listen to Joe and Amber live weeknights from 7 to 9 p.m. Eastern. Plus, you can listen on the ESPN app, Sirius XM Channel 80, or on your smart speaker. Joe and Amber, the podcast.